welcome to Mortgage Connects by MGIC, bringing you the latest insights from top mortgage professionals around the industry. I'm your host, Stephanie Budnick, and today joining me, my colleague and co-host, Concepcion Guerrero. Concepcion is a marketing program specialist at MGIC who leads our diversity marketing efforts. Today, we'll be teaming up to hear insights from Edgar Hernandez. Thank you so much, Stephanie, and I'm very excited to um, have today join us Edgar Hernandez. Edgar Hernandez is a senior manager in the Multicultural Center of Expertise, or the MCOE, with the CUNO Mutual Group. The MCOE analyzes data to better understand undeserved consumers, develop strategies and new products to retain and attract CU members, and build coalitions with other entities that support similar efforts. Prior to this role, Edgar worked for Delft, a top-tier innovation firm that uses design thinking and engineering to help companies launch new products. He also spent a decade working at the American Family Insurance and the Market Research, Customer Experience, and Innovation Team. He received his Bachelor in Finance from Iowa State, his MBA from UW-Madison, and a Certificate in Strategic Decision and Risk Management from Stanford. In his spare time, Edgar enjoys dancing the Argentine tango and volunteering as a bilingual financial coach and spending time with his family and church. So welcome, Edgar. Thank you, Concepcion. Thank you. Thank you both, you know, for, for saying my name, Edgar, you know, almost like the way I would used to hear it back in Mexico. So I appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> isn't that refreshing? Trust me, I know what you mean when Concepcion, <laughs> when it comes to my name. Well, you know, I just read your bio and it's quite impressive, but, you know, I, I'm going to ask that. Can you explain or can you, um, yeah, kind of explain what does it mean to be a multicultural strategy manager at CUNA? Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a relatively new role. And again, you know, when I look back, I guess four years have already gone by quickly. It just felt like yesterday that, that I joined the organization. So um, really what it is, it, CUNA Mutual kind of decided to be intentional about creating a group within, you know, the organization that was just purely dedicated to looking at, at this multicultural space. And, you know, when we talk about multicultural, we, we tend to think that it's primarily race and ethnicity, um, but that's not the only layers that we look at. That's one of the main layers. But if you think of this as a, you know, multifaceted polygon, and, and, and if I had here a video, I would show you what we typically show is, think about this one of those, uh, you know, like a 12-sided, uh, you know, uh, dice, and, uh, you know, you have race and ethnicity, you would have, you know, age or, or, you know, generations, you would have, you know, whether you're a credit union member or not, with, you know, financial literacy levels, uh, income, um, you know, sexual preferences in terms of the LGBTQ aspect. So there's so many different elements to that, not just race and ethnicity. So that's the first thing I'll say. So in my role, what we do is uh, one of three things, you know, we look at a lot of data, a lot of numbers to try to really come at it from a kind of a scientific, um, you know, a numeric approach to size the opportunity, understand where are gaps. And we do that uh, in a couple of ways. We have primary data and secondary data. So we either interview consumers directly or we rely on secondary sources and we kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. So um, that's the first pillar. We have three pillars. So the first pillar is take a look at data and extract insights from that. The second pillar would be to then put those insights into action, right? I mean, it's just not just a, we just want to let it sit there and, you know, be a pretty piece of art, you know, like, oh, what a nice chart. No, we want to say, what about that? What can we do about that? So I spent a lot of time working within the organization, within departments and saying, 
you know, how does this fit with your business plan? You know, what do you need to do differently? Um, what are the areas of improvement? Uh, what do we need to get rid of? And then, um, so that's the activation. We call that activation. And the, the third piece is, I would say just, um, you know, is, is the partnerships that I, that you mentioned in my intro is uh, who do we partner with? Because we can't do it alone, right? And that's part of the reason we have in this conversation with MGIC is to be able to spread the word and, uh, you know, kind of align and, and use our respective superpowers to, to, to share the, the insights and the wins, the successes that we've had. So this, the third pillar being this sort of, um, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's the promotional aspect of it, the, um, the, the, the partnerships and just really becoming more than one uh, entity that's doing this. So that's, um, does that make sense? Those are the three main roles that I do. And I spend a little bit of time in each of those three areas. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. That's very complex, but it's good that you're doing something with the data and really taking that opportunity within your team. It sounds very interesting and complex. Yeah. You know, clearly here, part of your role, um, you know, it's, it focuses on the underserved consumer. So um, can you talk about some obstacles that, that those underserved consumers have to face and the ways that lenders can better serve them based on the data that you that you collected? Yeah, good question, uh, Concepcion. And you know the, you know I'm, I'll speak first about the, you know the the industry that we're in. So you know with CUNY Mutual, we we primarily are sort of a B to B model. Historically, we've been selling you know uh, payment protection insurance right to credit unions, and credit unions in turn would offer those products to their you know credit union members. Um, and so you know we've then over the years for the past 85 years, you know CUNY Mutual has you know, come around and we have over, over 90% of the market. We have a lot of credit union partners and, uh, you know, we sell, you know, life insurance, home and auto through a couple of other entities. And so one of the things that I learned right away when I joined the organization is that we have done a really nice job of keeping products simple, very easy. In other words, when you apply for life insurance, we don't ask a lot of questions, right? We don't, you know, necessarily even, even have to, in some of our products, even do a physical exam, right? Which makes a lot of people uneasy. It's like, oh my God, they're going to find out, you know, this, or I don't want anybody in my home. And so of course there's a risk and reward or a trade-off with less information. We obviously have to charge a little bit more, but what that does is it opens up the possibility for individuals to say, look, I, I just need this. I don't want to have to be asked a lot of questions. I just need coverage. And so we, we offer products that don't really ask a lot of questions. We do, you know, do background checks and, you know, like hit the, um, you know, health um, sort of database to find out if there's any prescriptions that the member may have. And so we, we, we try to get a, a little bit of a picture, but um, we don't exclude, you know, our products are all inclusive and people have, of course, the choice to, you know, give more information. And of course their rates might be better. And so I think the lesson learned from that and the lending aspect is, you know, Credit unions or the financial institutions that try to lower their risk by asking typical questions, right? You know, credit score and how many years have you worked? And, you know, they want to see a consistent income. Um, they don't want to see a lot of debt. And, and those are fine. And that served a purpose, you know, you know, decades ago um, or even, you know, centuries. Uh, but times have changed. And what we're seeing now, and I think you probably agree, is, is that we have a lot of individuals that you know, they probably have seasonal work and they're, they're really, really do well in the summer because maybe they're, 
you know, in the landscaping business or in the construction business, or maybe in the winter, they're doing, you know, um, you know, snow uh, removal, like we do here in Wisconsin. And so they may not be a constant flow, but they're doing very well. Now, if I'm a lender, I'm an underwriter, I'm, I'm going to see, well, there's a lot of fluctuation that doesn't feel comfortable. But what we're finding out, especially with some communities of color, especially maybe even the Hispanic community, you know, now that we're talking about Hispanic Heritage Month, is that oftentimes, you know, uh, financial institutions is the first time that they may be exposed to such a member and or a customer. And they're, you know, they don't know how to underwrite that. And they don't know if, you know, what about a, do you have, do you have the right ID or the right um um, you know, documentation. And oftentimes there's missed opportunities because some of those folks may not have social security numbers, but they do have individual tax ID numbers, ITIN loans, as they call it. And so what we're, what we're seeing in this space and in the work with uh, Inclusive, which is uh, changed its name, it used to be called the Federation of uh, Community Development Credit Unions, or just the Federation, but now they're called Inclusive without the E at the end. They've done quite a bit of work to understand data, to find out, look at those credit unions that have given loans that um, are ITIN loans. And what has happened is they've been surprised that there's low loss ratios, lower loss ratios, right? That was, that's been surprising because typically, you know, if you, know, you don't have a social security number, well, you know, I don't know, that's kind of risky, right? And that has not been the case. And so there's quite a bit of opportunity. So what lenders can do is simplify the process, not make it intimidating, um, and also you know create that trust, that trust mm-hmm. so that consumers can say, "Wow, I had a great experience with this credit union." You know, I didn't feel like I was being interrogated. I felt like I was being ushered along. They were very helpful. You know what? I'm going to tell others about this because they treated me with respect. They treated me with dignity. So I think those are a couple of things that uh, lending um, institutions can do. Yeah, and that's huge. I mean, word of mouth is is a big one, at least I know personally from the Latino community, it's huge. And you mentioned uh, the fact, you know, simplicity, keeping keeping things simple. But I think, you know, hand in hand also goes with the lack of knowledge, both consumer right. and both with the lender. So I think, you know, your role with the data and everything that you do, I think that's important, you know, uh, educating, educating yes. the financial institutions in, in situations like, you know, the, the difference in ITIN, the ITIN. Um, you know, member that might come across. And also, you know, the financial institutions um, educating also the community, which is huge. I know credit unions are more member centric. And I think they they have a right. kind of a, a unique situation because with their focus of being so member centric and wanting to help the members, they have kind of a, a step ahead from all the other lenders, I would say. Yeah. So, you know, I think it goes hand in hand, the lack of knowledge and also the, you know, the opportunity that you're taking here to educate the lenders and educate the community. I think it's huge. Right. You know, one thing else that I'll add, Concepcion, is that also the element of, you know, you want to be transparent, you know, no surprises. One of the things that we're up against as an industry and also banks, you know, to be honest, is that there's a lot of paid day lenders out there. You know, when we show some of our statistics and graphs, I show a map, let's say of Milwaukee. And I say, um, this map has, a uh, kind of a heat map that shows the darker the county, the more diversity there is. But what we do is we overlay that with dots that show where there are credit unions, right? And you may see like in a region of, I don't know how many, you know, miles, square miles, maybe like two or three credit unions. But then we overlay that with payday lenders. And instead of like three dots, you see like 
15 dots. And so what happens is, why are there so many? And it, it becomes a question of accessibility. You know, is there one almost in every corner, payday lenders, check cashers, and all that stuff, which of course charge huge, you know, unreasonable amount of interest rates. But here's the thing, consumers go to them for a reason because they make it easy, they don't pass judgment, and they're very transparent in terms of the fees. So if there's a lesson to be learned there for other lending institutions is to be transparent, not surprises like here are some other fees that are going to happen. And I think the mortgage industry has tried to do a good job, but um, you know, making it a front is like, what are going to be the closing costs? You know, all, all in all, what is going to be that? Okay. And, and we know there's forms of course that, that we give people that do this, but just from the very beginning, just let people know, not only are you going to pay this cost up front, but you know, you may want to have a little bit of reserve because there's things that may come up as you're, you know, in your first year of the house that something broke. Do you have, you know, maybe a thousand dollars in reserves, you know, because if you don't, you may end up having to take out another loan, which of course is good for financial institutions, but it's not necessarily good for the member or the customer. So we have to keep those things in mind. Yeah, no, being transparent is very important. And ultimately, you know, being offering that transparency will ultimately build uh, that trust and that relationship with your members. So I think it's, it's very important. So thank you for, for touching on that. Um, let, me, let me ask you another question here. Um, so CUNA has done a lot of work to support diversity and not only in the workplace, but also in the community with customers. Can you tell me more about that, please? Yeah, so, you know, that's one of the things that really attracted me to CUNY Mutual. Um, it's just their, their commitment to really live by the credit union philosophy, which is people helping people. I mean, I was not looking for a job. I was pretty happy doing this, um, you know, being part of that consulting firm in design and innovation is that's my jam. Um, but I really liked and was inspired by, you know, CUNY Mutual's vision. And my manager, you know, my direct, director, he's our senior VP now. Um, he was also somebody that I really admired. So, you know, those two things combined and an offer that I couldn't refuse <laughs> uh, made me join the company. So, you know, we do have over 15 employee resource groups. We have a lot of representation, different communities, different groups. Um, and uh, the, the one thing that I like that we also do is corporate social responsibility. You know, every year, you know, we have like two to $3 million that we allocate to different causes in the community, whether it's food banks um, in underrepresented areas. We are trying to help other uh, community-based organizations to you know, provide education, financial literacy, um, just well-being. And, and I really like that. Um, and the last thing is that we've also just recently in the past uh, 12 months, um, I kind of um, was a little bit of a catalyst, a little bit of an instigator, whatever you want to call it, but just asked our investments department to look at uh, what's called more investing in ESG, you know, environmental, um, uh, social, and then governance uh, investments. So, you know, the S is probably the one that we are more interested in, which is the social, you know, um, I guess, social uh, equity a piece of it. And so we've allocated quite a bit of money in the millions and millions of dollars to be able to invest, you know, our, our, our members' premiums, our customers' premiums into areas that, number one, that are going to be, you know, give us the return that, you know, market rate returns, because that's what we need to have in order to pay, you know, the claims, if we ever have a claim for like a life insurance claim or whatnot. But number two, that are in areas that really 
um, live up to our vision and mission, which is really you know, making a brighter financial future accessible to everyone. And so it's not just about products, Concepcion and Stephanie, you know, it's not only about selling products, it is really about improving the well-being of our community. And that's what uh, impassions me. That's why I joined this group. I really want to make a dent in society and not just, you know, sell a better product, a fancier product. It's not about that. So, um, so those are the three things. And, and um, there's one more piece of it. And that is that we recently created a fund. Uh, we, we have a ventures team that looks at, you know, uh, startups, uh, new enterprises. But within that, we created what's called a discovery fund. And so we are allocating a portion of our, you know, big portfolio, a multi-million dollar portfolio to invest in startups that have some sort of connection to the financial world, but also have leaders that are women or people of color or underrepresented groups um, and either in their, in their management team or that they're serving those specific groups. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And it's wonderful. It's, it sounds like CUNA has invested a lot of time, a lot of resources. They have the right people, um, you know, focusing on the diversity segment, which is amazing. It's wonderful to hear. Um, but in my conversations with other lenders, you know, they're not quite there yet. They're not quite where CUNA is. They're in the actually very, very early stages of incorporating diversity into their work, into their workforce. So what advice would you give uh, lenders like that, that they're, they're in the very early stages of incorporating diversity? Yeah, well, the first thing I say is it is a journey, right? It is just not like you're going to be done, you know, you're going to start in January, you'll be done in December, and that's it. It's We've been at it and every year we learn more, we get smarter. Um, but I would say that as they're looking to bring in diversity, you know, one thing is look at the job descriptions, right? Traditionally, you know, we tend to look at, well, you know, four-year college or, or maybe even technical college, um, you know, some, some type of, of um, GPA. And, and of course, that's all good. But I think we've got to start looking and evaluating um, you know, job descriptions from a number of different angles, you know, uh, maybe non-traditional uh, students or, or different colleges that we normally don't go to. Are they, maybe, maybe we're making assumptions here that a person with a four-year college degree will perform better than somebody that's a technical college. We've got to challenge those assumptions um, and, uh, and just be a little bit more um, discerning when we are looking at candidates. And also, where are we recruiting from, right? You know, if we go into the traditional colleges and universities and we're not looking at, for example, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, or um, HSIs, Hispanic serving institutions, for example, then we're probably fishing in the wrong pond. Um, if you want to increase your diversity, you got to go to colleges, schools that have a lot of diversity. And I'll give you an example. Recently, I uh, led um, and I'm leading a project within our financial advisor um, area, where wealth management area, and we created a job description. It was very intentional, and we called it the multicultural financial services internship role. Okay, just by virtue of leaving that, putting that multicultural in the heading, actually attracted people that felt that they resonated with that. Right. Instead of leaving it in the, in the description and calling the job financial services intern, we put it multicultural right at the beginning, right? And that, I think, is, is kind of one of those intentional aspects that you don't want to leave it to chance. And also, you know, recognizing maybe you want somebody that speaks another language, you know, depending on the, you know, the area of the country that you're in. If you're, you know, in a Spanish-speaking area, add Spanish. Um, if you are... Um, 
in a place where maybe French is spoken or maybe another uh, language that is, uh, you know, from, from, you know, among, uh, whatever it is. And then also acknowledge that you may need to pay a language differential. You know, I don't want institutions to just bring in somebody on board and say, well, yeah, they have the skills, but they're not recognizing for those skills. Because if you think about it, if, and if, if I have to hire a company to do interpreting services or translation services, I'm going to pay a fee for that, right? I'm going to pay a fee for that. So why are we not compensating perhaps some of our staff people to be able to, if they have those skills and they're using them on a day-to-day basis or, you know, on a weekly basis, why not do that? So I would say, take a look at that, um, look at the job descriptions, look at where you're recruiting. And then the last thing I'll say is that what does your management look like? Um, you know, at the middle level, at the entry, middle and upper management, when somebody comes into the organization, somebody that's a person of color or somebody from, you know, uh, an underrepresented group, they're going to look not only behind to see who's next in the, you know, in the interview line, but they're going to see who is next to them and who is above them. And if they don't see people that look like them, chances are they're probably not going to stay around long because they may not feel that sense of connection, a sense of like, wow, you know, I can move up to the ranks. I can, I can take that job and I can mentor somebody else. So those are things that, that we look for. And I think lenders can um, really make a dent in how they staff their, 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 their offices. Yeah, I think that's huge. That's great feedback. It's got, you know, it's, first of all, I, I, I always like um, to mention to lenders, you know, take a look at the community that you're serving, that you're located in. And then once you've evaluated that community um, that you're serving or would like to, you know, expand your services into, take a look at your workforce. Does that, does your workforce reflect the community that you're trying to, um, you know, to kind of reach out to? So, you know, I'm happy to, I'm happy that you're echoing that and touching base on that. I think it's very important. Um, Stephanie, do you have any additional questions for Edgar before I, uh, before I ask him um, about his, his heritage? No, I really appreciate kind of even though you're speaking to the credit union or your role within CUNA Mutual, how much it can relate to other lenders from process and simplicity, treating others with respect and growing that trust with individuals, which is a good practice for anybody. Um, But how you spoke to the workforce and those trying to reach a more diverse background and and challenging some assumptions that are in there. I really liked the idea of changing that title. So I think you have some great pieces of advice to take um, into consideration for lenders looking to do something that's outside of their box. Yeah. You know, one thing I I did want to mention is that I want to say to lenders, like, don't ask for information that one, you're not going to use or two, that you know that people may not have. And, and I've heard this from countless of friends that said, you know, I was ready to be given a loan at the credit union. I gave them all this information where I didn't have it, where I did. And all of a sudden, um, they said I had a loan, but then with the circumstances with COVID-19 and all that stuff, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't give me the loan, uh, maybe because my, my job was not stable. And so I, I think it's a missed opportunity. And I think that's driven out of fear, that of lack of knowledge. I think if you know that some individuals don't have the documentation, you have to think about other ways, alternative credit um, mechanisms or signals that are in the marketplace and credit unions or other financial institutions that understand that, they're capitalizing on that. And guess what? They're bringing in more and more people. When I get a, a, one of our sales folks that talks to credit unions and said, Edgar, this credit union is not growing. Can you take a look at why? I look, we have data. And I looked at their membership by race, um, by generation. And they say, you know why they're not growing? Because 
they're not capturing a lot of people that are in their geographical area. They have, let's say, 20% of their members are, um, are maybe Gen Zs or millennials, but in their demographic area, it should be like 40%. So they're, they're under indexed by half. And so anyway, data helps. And uh, it's important not to ask things that we know they don't have and try to find creative ways to account for those missing pieces. So anyway, and it is good to learn from other industries because that's where innovation happens, right? You look at one, what one industry is doing and, and borrow it and, and apply it to your own, to your own industry. So anyway, I think Concepcion, you wanted to ask me about my heritage. <laughs> yeah, we were celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month here at MGIC. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? I see that you like Argentine tango. So can you I, I tell, do. Us, tell us more? I do. You know, I mean, so I was, I'm originally from Mexico. I was, I was born there, but my family migrated to the States many years ago. And, you know, my dad said, we're only going to be here a year. And here, you know, we're over 20, oh gosh, almost 30 years later. So, um, you know, the U.S. Is, is my home and, and I, and I love this country. I think there's a lot of opportunities here. Um, but yeah, my, my roots are from, from Mexico. And then if you, you know, DNA tests go back to, you know, either you know, Native American and also European. So, you know, as many, many Latino, um, you know, uh, people are as a blend, but my passion for the Argentine tango just stands from, I like to dance. I like the salsa, merengue, bachata. I like all those dances. I think it's healthy. I think it's social. I think it's fun, but also tango in particularly, it is hard. It is very hard because you've got to be, uh, when I first started dancing tango, I was sweating but not because I was like having fun. I was nervous. And so it's, it was kind of funny because it's one of the most complex dances. You really have to dance and listen to your partner. And, 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 you know, I always like to give metaphors or analogies. And I think it's, you know, listening to your partner and understand how they like to move, how they, they like to dance and you try to modifying and being flexible, I think can be applied. Here's the innovation piece, right? It can be applied to the world of, 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 you know, financial services, listen, or any, 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 uh, you know, business for that matter. What does your customer want? What are they saying? How are they moving? Are you meeting them where they're at? And I'm telling you, I can go on and on. That could be another podcast about my lessons uh, about tango and, and life, but uh, I've really I enjoyed like it. it. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to take you up on that one, Edgar. <laughs> but I, I like it and I've, I've, I've enjoyed it quite a bit. In fact, my wife and I are going to go dancing tonight and uh, you know, it's, it's going to be refreshing. So anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's my story. Um, and uh, you know, I have three kids that are, uh, we, we try to speak English to them or Spanish to them at home, but of course they answer in English. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's a constant battle to be able to give them a, an inheritance of language, which I think is super important, right? It's uh, you know, having, I always tell my kids, you know, the more languages you learn, the more friends you will have. So with that, um, that's my story. Thank you. We just appreciate your time and the knowledge that you've shared with us today. Yeah, definitely, Edgar. I appreciate it. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you so much for listening. For all the latest industry insights, subscribe to Mortgage Connects with MGIC on Apple, Stitcher, or Spotify, or check out MortgageConnects.com. Until next time.